Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Like looking after yourself is the best thing that you can do people will pull you this way that way but like if you don't invest in your self-care then you're not you're not going to be powerful you're just not I don't know also my therapist told me that I was powerful and I was like what (laughs) and oh I'm really struggling with this I think you've done two good ones really yeah yeah but I think it was my therapist basically I was like I'm exhausted I don't think I can do it and she was like oh I think you can and that was sort of like I was like oh Someone else has seen me, you know. And then Audrey Lord, who I will never forget that quote. Like, I think I will remind everyone of that till the day I die, like, which will hopefully not be from exhaustion because <laughs> she's told me what to do. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it. Hello, and welcome to season three of the Wannabe podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm, of course, your host, Imriel. Guys, how good was Dattily Lou's episode on people-pleasing, trying versus efforting, and taking a step back? Oh my goodness, the messages I got afterwards were a joy. If you missed it, go and circle back to it now. I'm very excited to share this week's guest story. Gabby Edlin is the founder of Bloody Good Period, a charity that helps collect and distribute sanitary products to asylum seekers. Gabby has been at the helm for three and a half years and the movement and support she has garnered just keeps growing. In today's episode, Gabby shares her thoughts on what it means to be a professional feminist, navigating anti-Semitism, the pitfalls of a career in the arts and what it takes to turn a movement into a business. We also explore whether activism pays. Check it out. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? I wanted to be somebody who was doing a job that that mattered and that really made a difference to people's lives and that felt like it felt like you were making changes and it felt like feminist that's essentially what I wanted to I wanted to be a professional feminist I know that sounds terrible and like it sounds like <laughs> like because I'm so anti like the monetizing of feminism if it's through like a corporate but actually now I now I'm like saying out loud of course you should be everyone should be able to be a professional feminist you should be able to have a job that is feminist that's what I wanted and I wanted to be be a bit maybe like sort of like Cindy Gallup who's like the advertising like queen and she's made loads of changes like she just just doesn't like the way things are because they're wrong and so changes them so there's the Alice Walker quote which was like um, activism is the rent you pay for being on this planet and so that was like I don't know if that was like my professional desire but that quote's like been with me the whole time and I feel really passionately that that it should be something that you're you're always trying to do better by the world so that was sort of all the ways that I was thinking and I wanted to do something really creative so I am a creative person I did art at uni and English and have always drawn always designed and that was really important to me that that was part of what I was doing so I didn't want to just be someone who was like changing policy or you know going into government or I didn't want to just do advertising, for example. I wanted to bring the two together, which is what I've now done. I've gone on such a such a ramble. But basically, I knew what I didn't want. Mm-hmm. 
and that's really led me to doing what I want. I think that's fine. Yeah. So I guess the streak in terms of has the activism streak, the kind of rebellious, like something's not right, that's been there from pretty much as long as you can remember. And were you kind of like that kid that was just like pointing things out and being a bit gobby about stuff as well? I think so. So I grew up in a Jewish community in Manchester and it was an Orthodox community. So not like super religious, not like sort of Stamford Hill type, you know, black hats, but also just quite a traditional, um, quite a traditional like male-female divide in it. And my parents weren't massively religious, but we were definitely in the community and it never sat right with me. And I always wanted to be like, when I was young, I wanted to be like a better Jew. I wanted to be like being better at Jewish, but like it never, it never sat right with me. The women had to go and sit up at the top of the synagogue. You don't get to sit with your family. It's separated. It's really archaic. And so that kind of thing, there was always like something that I just didn't get. I always felt like I was like rubbing up against the status quo it was just never I mean now I can put it like that but at the time I thought I was just like moody and naughty (laughs) like but like there were so many things I just didn't like and I just didn't see how I could change them and the same with school also like parallel to the community I grew up in a Jewish youth movement which was much more like sort of part scouts so like you know camping and that but then part like I don't even know how to describe it just very creative like sort of what you'd imagine like American summer camp to be that sounds nice it was brilliant. That was amazing. So like very like socialist values. We used to share everything and like you'd bring your money for like the summer and you'd all share it and everyone would cook together. I know it was it was like it was great and you'd go camping and and you'd do creative programs about like stuff to do with Judaism but then also just like social change. That was where I like really found myself and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is how this is how you make change. This is how you create stuff." So up until that, I think I was always sort of rubbing up against like the traditional upbringing and especially especially like the Jewish traditional upbringing. Having a community online that was where I started to really gather confidence, I guess, to, to have my opinion. So like throughout uni, you know, I still wasn't, it wasn't cool to be feminist then at all like it is now. And, you know, there were things where I would like, I would refuse to go to a Playboy party, for example, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And other people just thought that like, there was very much like the opinion of you just you're being like you're being ridiculous like you're just being a spoil sport and I was like but I can't do that it's so wrong and didn't quite have the I don't know the words maybe to describe it or the community Mm. and then I think when I left uni when I started to see more stuff on Facebook actually is when I started to like gather confidence and being in the workplace as well where I met new people was where I started to be like oh okay like it is okay to fight against things. It is okay to make a stand. And that's how I sort of gradually gathered. It was all very, very gradual. Like to get to, I think I was 30 when I set up BGP. And so between being so like 14, where I think I really just started to be like, rah, you know, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but rah. Um, you know, it's, it's a good 16 years of like incremental building up my like activist muscle, I guess. That's so nice to hear, actually. I think oh, that's just God. honest. Oh my God. It, 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 yeah, it takes, it takes a while. I always like want to say to people, like, I was on a podcast last week and they were like, but you're so brave to do this. And I was like, oh my God, like, it's a muscle. Mm. It's, you don't just walk into a gym and lift weights. Like you do bit by bit by bit. I love that. That's refreshing to hear, I guess. Yeah, it is. Like you said, I think that's a really good analogy. It's a muscle that you need to be 
exercising, flexing all of the time and yeah. giving it the time to heal and then recover and get stronger. But I think a lot of people are probably reluctant because they're like, you know, I don't have all the answers. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit back and watch an injustice or mm-hmm. something that's not quite right happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I love that. It's exactly. beautiful. I really like, because I, I am not an exerciser, but like it is the only, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way that I can understand how to describe it. Like I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism at uni and I did not have the words to deal with it and nobody believed me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you experienced similar stuff. Like, probably even more institutional actually with race at least people ignore you as a Jew like in yeah. like people just don't think you're important it's you know it's not so painful but like yeah I did not deal with it at uni mm. because I didn't know how and I think what you're saying about like people being in their 20s and doing stuff like I wasn't like that either and I think we can only see that as like an amazing thing that the women maybe before us are the ones who've paved the way for them mm-hmm, they've paved the way for us to start in our 30s for example in our activism or you know to really establish ourselves but how amazing that it's getting younger it's so good let's move on to bloody good period right because that movement is incredible and it's grown insanely massive like it's huge and as someone that has I I mean I by no stretch on your levels when it comes to talking about periods but it has been something that has been in my life as like one a problem child just as an experiencer of bad periods but just the affordability has been something I don't think I've personally talked about it that often but I have generally talked about like the affordability of period products in general are just ridiculous and Mm -hmm. not coming from a wealthy family by any stretch it does like I remember feeling like I have 10 pounds left in my account, but I need to buy tampons. Like Mm -hmm. that's, and like having to make that adjustment for your own finances Mm -hmm. for products. So it has been something that really, I became really aware of in the last few years more so because I've had to struggle with that. And then I spoke to, I think the guys at like Brixton Soup Kitchen and was talking about, you know, they do loads of things with homeless people and homeless women. And that brought to my attention like, oh, you know, one thinking of homeless people as people not that i've never done that but it you don't think about the fact that you don't think about them as people sometimes it's like a real blindness and a privilege actually and then thinking about like of course homeless women have periods Mm -hmm. of course there are poorer people that have periods and what do they do when they can't and so i've gone through this cyclical process in my mind of like i'm aware of this but then you don't i guess it's not having the tools or not knowing how to solve that problem and Mm -hmm. going about it and you saw that problem and found a way to do that. How do you even get started doing that? And I guess I imagine it may be similar to how you got into talking more and more about feminism. Is it a gradual process or were you just like, no, I have to do something and this is the thing that I'm going to do. What was the process for you? So there's a few things that like came together. First of all, when I graduated from uni, I wanted to do something creative and for good. And I ended up working in education in art galleries. If you work in the arts in galleries you basically have to have a master's to get any further Mm -hmm. you have to like it's that's why it is all upper middle class women because you have to have a master's and someone's going to pay for that master's and so I was quite worried like I knew my parents wouldn't pay for a master's like it was you know I'd already been at uni and they'd already helped me and I was like I just don't know how I'm going to get further but I was like I'm just going to have to go for it like if I want to you know, go further in my career, I've got to change something. And then I found this master's that was called Applied Imagination in the Creative Industries. I know, I was literally like, what the fuck? And I just, there was just something 
in me that sometimes happens to me that I was like, oh, I'm going to do this regardless. Mm. So I'm like, I can be so obnoxious and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes I do not. <laughs> but I just called them up. I was like, I want to do this master's. Can I come and talk to you about it? And they were like, yeah, okay, sure. So I went in and met the guy and then met the course leader. I was like, I really want to do this. It's all about asking better questions. That was like their tagline. And I was like, this is really me. Like, it's all about questioning. Then I came back. I decided to apply. I like looked at the cost of it. It was, I think it was like 11 grand or something like that. And I was like, okay, no, I'm going to do this. So I started a crowdfunder for my master's. You were one of those crowdfunding for a master's kids. Okay, carry on. No, but like, don't, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. I'm just curious. Okay, so, carry on. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so I've got a job, like I'm working full time. I can save a bit. But basically, I mean, I say it was crowdfunding. I sold things. I sold art okay. via a crowdfunding website. And I was like, look, I, I want to do something I was really into like working in like body image at the time and like this was about like six years ago seven years ago so I really wanted to work it was like just when like it was becoming more mainstream I want to do something that is really going to change how women see themselves and so people got behind that so it wasn't I didn't even know whether people have crowdfunded for a master's. Never heard of it before. Do people do that a lot? Yeah it, it happens more and more recently and I'm always really confused because at least up until like for the last three or four years at least student loans now fund masters so I'm always like really intrigued when I see people crowdfunding for a master's I'm like student loans do pay for these now oh so so I couldn't get a student loan no I think back then you couldn't oh okay but I could get a bank loan but the bank loan you had to pay off it got big interest the day you graduated or the day you finished your course and I was just I just can't do that and so I just thought I'm just gonna try it I'm just gonna try it like I'll see what people think. And basically people got behind it. Brilliant. Not that much. <laughs> I made about a grand. For, that is which pretty is- good. For- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Strangers. Not bad. Yeah, exactly. But it was, you know, I was selling pieces of art, selling like photos I'd taken. And then I got into the Masters. I didn't even know if I was going to get in at this point. I got into the Masters. I sound like such a twat. Like, you I do not. You do not. I think I was both frightened and fearless. And so I got in and I went in to meet the course leader again. And I, and I was like, so I'm doing this. Like, cause I wanted to like find out how about, how I would go about paying for it. Like if I wasn't sure, like if I'd make all the money, I showed him the crowdfunder and they gave me a scholarship oh, because yeah. there was just something. 
the whole course was basically about like creative interventions and because they saw that I had made a creative intervention they were like okay we want you on this course it's just that I know that I had the privilege and the confidence to be able to ask and these things are available that's the point Mm -hmm. they are available scholarships are available and you just have to persuade someone to let you have it so yeah, I feel very embarrassed about that, but I think it's really important that people know how I paid for the masters because it it would be really easy for me to come in and say, and then I did a masters, but then like if I'd heard that like ten years ago, I would have been like, but how the fuck did you pay for it? Like, yeah. you were on like minimal salary in an art gallery. Like people would have assumed, oh, mummy and daddy paid for it basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that isn't a true like reflection of how it was. And so I'm aware that like. I had sort of things on my side that probably would stand in the way for other people, especially young women. You know, I had such confidence to go in there and be like, I deserve this. And, you know... Tenacious. Tenacious. (laughs) Yeah, I was lucky in that sense. And, but I do think, I have to say, I need to stop putting myself down because it was a lot of work. It was really hard work. The crowdfunding wasn't like this thing where I was like, oh, do you know what? I'll get other people to pay for it. Like it was literally like I created this whole like pitch and like did all this design around it and was like, okay, this is what your money will go to. And I gave all the money back, by the way, when I got the scholarship. Did you? Yeah, oh, brilliant. Like, but you so, sold work. Yeah, sure. But like some people didn't want it back. And so that's fine. Okay, this is what I think is was important. This is how I think I got it. Is showing your face, saying, can I come in and meet you? Knowing what it is that you want to share. I didn't want to just go on this master's like, because I was like, I could do with a master's like, or I need to have like... It was different from when I started looking for masters in art galleries because I was like, that's just the next progression. Whereas I saw this course and was like, I think this is going to change my life. I really sort of put that across to the course leaders and I went in and I met them twice and I told them I was honest. I was like, I don't have this money, but I still want to do it. I'm going to make a way of doing it. And I think that is something that anybody can do and anybody can say if they feel, you know, if they can find the confidence. I really think that there's something about letting people see you and I mean physically as well as like being like emotionally open and saying I really, really want this that makes a big difference and makes people warm to you and give you things basically. <laughs> nice things, you know, but you know, give you things that you are entitled to actually. Yeah. And that's why they have scholarships so that it doesn't, I mean, my entire course was like 95% like really, really, really wealthy foreign students who a lot of were socialites and it was really... <laughs> fucking fascinating <laughs> like fascinating when you like go on the facebook and i'm like whoa <laughs> we're not the same <laughs> but um it also gave me like a real like knowing that i was there for free gave me a real like i worked so hard i was like you're gonna see that it was worth giving me this and you know i put everything into it and yeah that was a huge part of basically learning how to make creative change. Anyway, I'll speed up to tell you like the rest of the journey because I think it is important that people know how you start like a movement. (laughs) But that was all that. Anyway, I was working as a nanny. After my master's, I didn't know what I was doing. I applied for jobs. I didn't get anywhere. I was trying all different like design stuff, like hopeless. I was working as a nanny for this family and the dad said to me, I'm setting up a asylum seeker drop-in centre with my local synagogue do you want to help? And I was like, cool, fine, great. Like, I want to do something. I'm not doing anything that 
I feel he's good. I feel like he's changing anything. And so I was like, definitely. I went along. We got like the email where they like laid out all the essentials we'd be giving out to asylum seekers. Asylum seekers only receive £37.75 a week to live on. And I noticed that there were no period products. And I was like, how's that going to work? Like... I just read an article by Maya Oppenheim, who wrote for Vice at the time, and it was about the homeless period. And I think I read that same article, probably. actually. It was like the, the life-changing article, basically. And I think is what... She, it's not given enough credit, but I think it is what started this movement. I really, really do. And um, I read that, and like, you know, having had a period and knowing how like ridiculously expensive these products are, especially if you don't live near a big supermarket and you have to go to your corner shop or your, your little Tesco... It's like, it could be like four quid a pack. Like, and there's never enough in them. Yeah. There's like 14 tampons. I'm like, it's, uh... never, it's never right for a heavy period. So I was sort of doing sort of vaguely the maths and thinking, well, how are they getting them? Like, I was like, they must get them somewhere because otherwise, how are people going to cope? And so I asked and they were like, oh, well, we give them out in an emergency or like when people ask. And I was like, people don't ask. No one will ask you for products if you don't have them in front of, that was just, I don't know how I knew this. I just knew. I was like, you don't, if you don't have them there, you're not going to ask for them. And I was like, it's not an emergency. Like, what does an emergency look like for a woman or a person who menstruates? Like, is it bleeding on the floor? Is it crying in the toilet? Like, why would you want someone to get to that level before you offer them help? And so, they were like, okay, fine. Well, if you can find any, then do feel free. They were so lovely. And they always get a bad rap, like the people organizing, like they were brilliant people, like really open-minded, really passionate activist people who want to help asylum seekers. But I think that speaks to the shame around periods and the silence around periods was just like, even us, we just don't really want to talk about it. And we don't really want to deal with it, actually. It's honestly nothing on them. It, it is the, the wider society. Anyway, so I... um put a note on Facebook that said, can anyone send me pads? And that was the start of it. And it never stopped. Like the pads never stopped coming in. <laughs> and <laughs> I lived like that for a while. <laughs> but that was the start of BGP. And, you know, I knew as like, from my masters, you've got to brand something up. You've got to market it. It's got to be something that people are attracted to. People have got to want to join your movement. Like I was saying before, like you've got to put yourself out there. And so... I sort of did some research and I was like, where can I send all of these pads to? As You know, I was getting way too many. And then I was like, there isn't anywhere. Mm. Or I was like, or there's these like other charities which are sort of vaguely period related, but they're all sort of hush, hush, whispery, like pink. I was like, wow, no. So I was like, I'm going to try something. And that's how Bloody Good Period started. Like it was honestly so much trial and error and just so much vulnerability putting stuff out there that I knew was shit like I'm not a good designer like I can say that very openly um I guess I really want to know does activism pay and what financially yeah like does it not pay in terms of like the rewards of getting things done and getting shit done for people because clearly there's value in it and Mm. it works and it helps in so 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 many ways and clearly the work you're doing has like profoundly changed lives but I guess for yourself, like the financial side, and also I love that we've not mentioned and fuck you, pay me oh, yeah. <laughs> this whole time. This fantastic group um, that you and Shay's created. Okay. Where did the fuck you, pay me come out of? Is it because activism was not paying? Yeah. So I think the first thing that's really important: my job is not an activist. Yeah. My job is CEO of a charity. That's my salary. So I could not live 
on being an activist alone. Like, I couldn't. It can pay. You can get money because you can get paid for talks and you should get paid for talks. Mm-hmm. However, I think there's lots to be done in terms of people understanding how to fund activism. I really, truly believe, and I know there are some funds out there that do fund this, but activism, activism needs, to pay, needs to be paid. It has to be. Like, there's no other choice. Otherwise people just make themselves ill but like I'm not paid to be an activist I'm paid to manage a charity and to manage staff and to bring in funds and to make sure that the delivery happens and activism is a part of my role Mm -hmm. if that makes sense it's a part of my remit like to fight for things and you know I decided my strategy or our strategy as BGP was to no longer exist which means I have to be an activist I could have just decided to create a charity that gives out products and will forever and it, I wouldn't be an activist in that way mm. it would just be a charity like not all charity is activist which I was so surprised to find out <laughs> like mm. I know it's like the most obvious thing when you say it but like the more I sort of thought about it the more I was like oh charity's really Tory mm. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm stating <laughs> the obvious here but because I'd always seen it as like I don't know, the way that I'd always engaged with charity was was making change. Mm-hmm. But I guess I was just, you know, so naive and so wrong. Like, yeah, it was, I'm speaking about it at a big fundraising conference, you know, and, and I really think that, that charity needs to really, really change. Like, and if we can do it, so can they. So finally, what is the best advice you've ever received and what's the worst advice you've ever received? A couple of people said to me around the same time when I was starting BGP, I feel like it would already have been done. Like someone was basically like, if it mattered, it would have been done. And I was like, okay, that's terrible advice. That was a good friend of mine. I remind him of it quite a lot. I don't think he really thought about what he was saying. And someone else was just like, it's going to be really hard. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm doing it. Like all my bad advice has come from men. Like, I love men. You know, my boyfriend's a man. My dad's a man. I love him. But all the bad advice has come from men. It's going to be really hard work. And if it needed to be done, it would have already been done. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> Such a face part. <laughs> like, just like, what? Obviously, it's hard because it's starting something that doesn't... It was when yeah, he okay. said it to me, it was like, it was a man that I knew. He was like, I just think it's going to be really hard. And I was like, yeah <laughs> I know honey <laughs> like, and what's the best advice like looking after yourself is the best thing that you can do people will pull you this way that way but like if you don't invest in your self-care then you're not you're not going to be powerful you're just not I don't know also my therapist told me that I was powerful and I was like what <laughs> And oh, I'm really struggling with this. I think you've done two good ones. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was my therapist, basically. I was like, I'm exhausted. I don't think I can do it. And she was like, oh, I think you can. And that was sort of like, I was like, oh, someone else has seen me, you know. And then Audrey Lord, who I will never forget that quote. Like, I think I will remind everyone of that till the day I die, like, which will hopefully not be from exhaustion because <laughs> she's told me what to do. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Gabby. Gabby is a phenomenal person with an amazing story. You simply have to follow Bloody Good Period on Instagram at bloodygoodperiod and visit bloodygoodperiod.com to support the cause. 
If you're interested in getting paid for speaking, consulting, or just contributing to discussions, check out the FU Pay Me group on Facebook. Just a reminder that I'll be opening a members-only recording studio for podcasters in Peckham. If you're interested, head to contentisqueen.org to join the waiting list. For updates on Wannabe, follow Content is Queen on Twitter at ContentIsQN and Instagram at ContentIsQueenHQ. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends via your Insta stories. We've pulled some amazing quotes from the episodes, which you can reshare via Instagram and Twitter. To get extended show notes listing any of the tools and resources we've talked about on this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. This podcast is proudly a Content is Queen production. It has been lovingly edited and put together by Ellie Clifford. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 